that they were the most important gifts to have and others who had different gifts and they thought that those were the better gifts to have. They were followers of men. They thought this minister was better than that minister. They thought that that elder might be nicer than that elder. And they had lost the focus for being in the church. They had camps of pastors. They thought one pastor was better than the other pastor who was better than the other pastor. And they had forgotten that they were a body. They had forgotten that they were put together under the sovereign choice of God for the purpose of loving one another, loving the world, but most importantly, to love God together. I want to give you a truth this morning. According to God's definition that He gave us here in 1 Corinthians 13, without love, there is no Christian life or assurance. Therefore, any form of church or Christian life absent of love is no love at all, and it's false religion. Say that one more time. Without love, there is no Christian life or assurances. And therefore, any form of church or Christian life absent of love is no life at all, and it is false religion. The reality is this. When, when Paul talks about love in this chapter, he uses a Greek word, agape. There's several different words in the Bible that the Greek have to describe love. We, we have the one word we say love, and we try to have that cover the waterfront of all sorts of different emotions. But the, the Greeks were a little bit smarter in their language than we were, and they had four different ways of describing love. Two I want to really dwell on this morning. One of those things was a brotherly love that, that you would have between friends, or we call it phileo. We, you know, the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, comes from that, that word. There was another word, too, that talked about an affectionate love that, that a parent might have for their child. But this word for love that the Greeks have, agape, or agapeo, was a willful love. It's the kind of love that God chooses intentionally to have for you and I. It is a selfless love. It is a sacrificial love. It's a love that reaches out to those who are unworthy of love. It's that selfless love that Jesus talked about in John 15, that no greater love has a man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. And, of course, it's the intentional love that you and I are called to have for God. In the Gospel of Mark, where Jesus, we called ourselves into worship this morning, where Jesus says, no greater, I'm sorry, the greatest commandment is this, to love God, to intentionally, sacrificially, willingly love Him, to make it the point of your life, the point of your existence, to love Him and to love Him first. Agape love. It is the grace that brings life and authenticity to believers' lives. As one intentionally applies and demonstrates this love to people's purposes and circumstances, including your motives, especially to those in the church. 
especially to those who are your eternal family. It is the most forgotten about, unspecifically taught subject of Scripture. Love. And yet, it is what every single one of you in this room need more than anything else in life. What had happened to the Corinthian church? They had become divided. They had become dysfunctional. But they also had become very prideful and arrogant in their gifts. And the people who they thought that they were. And Paul points out that their arrogance is, is an illusion. And he also points out the second thing that happened to them is the gifts that they had were no longer even effective. And the third thing was is that love is the only value that they could possess. That without, without love, they really don't have any value at all. With such an important topic, with such an important thing from the Holy Spirit to give us, with such an important command from Christ, it is our duty, it is our diligence, it should be our antenna going way up high in the air and saying, God, teach me how to love. Convict me to be intentional in the way that I love. And that's what Paul is teaching the Corinthian church and therefore teaching us this morning. And the first thing that he teaches us is that love is the only antidote to the illusions of arrogance and pride. Look at verse 1 with me. 13.1 If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. The word there describes a cacophony, a, a wicked sound, an evil clashing, a, a bellowing of empty wind. You see, what, what Paul is saying is, you can sound really, really good on the outside. But if there's not love that motivates what you're speaking, love that, that gives definition to the words that you're using... If it's not the motivation of your heart that what's coming out of your tongue is motivated from an agape type love to those who are listening, it's hypocrisy. Oh, how, many, how many of us in this world, in this culture that we live in, like to bellow about how much we know? Maybe it's who we know. Or maybe it's who we're known by. Or maybe it's, I have a better position in life than the next person does. Or maybe it's, I know how to do something better than so-and-so does, so let's just keep them out of the loop. They had a pride that was going on that said, I, I know the tongues of men. I, I can speak different languages. I, I can speak anyone. I can relate to anyone. We just took a bunch of gifts assessments as elders at our last retreat. And it, it kind of told us, you know, where we all kind of fit on this, this screen of, of uh, what we should be doing and what we shouldn't be doing with one another. And how to talk to one another, and and it almost, you know, it almost was really, almost how how do we manipulate one another? But 
Um, I've been watching my elders ever since then. But part of, part of that was, is, is here, here's how you talk to other people. Here's how you treat other people. And as, a, as an elder in the church, as a pastor of a church, as a member of a church, as a servant of Christ, you can know a lot of things and you can know a lot of people and you can have position. But if the people who are relating to you don't see that your heart has the love of Christ in it, it's just arrogant talk. But the cure to that, the cure to that is to intentionally look at those around you and what God has given you as a gift and to apply that with a love that says, I don't, I don't care what I get out of this. I want to give it to you because I love you. I've asked you this question before. It bears asking again. Look around the room. Yeah, look around. Do you have these people on your heart? Or are they on your nerves? I want to tell you, I intentionally... And I'm not real great at this. I want to tell you, I work at this. I'm telling you the truth. Not because I, you know, in my flesh I want to, but my flesh is weak. But I'm intentionally more and more trying to say, Lord, help me to have a burden for East Glenville Church and the people of it on my heart every day so that I will fall on my knees before you and bring these people before you that they may know how much you love them. And as the pastor of the church, that's what I'm trying to do. Your, your lives are on my heart to bring them to the Lord. Now that doesn't always come natural. There are days I'm, I'm more acute at doing that than other days. But unless I willingly say, God, let me set aside my needs this morning. Let me set aside my distractions. Let me set aside my irritations. And let me really love these people. Let me really risk my heart being vulnerable before them and you to love them. You see, without that, though, it's empty. But with it, our lives change, don't they? Our relationships change. We really start behaving like a church. And the only antidote to the pride and the arrogance of thinking it's my way or the highway. The hypocrisy of being a blowhard is that agape love. That willful love that God has placed in your heart and in my heart and says, I will apply it to even those who are unworthy, even those who are different than me, even those who maybe I have disrespected in the past. I will do that no longer. I repent. I will love. 
Well, not only is love the only antidote to the illusion of arrogance and pride, but love is also the only way to bring effectiveness to one's gifts. In verses 2 and 3, Paul says this, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, and if I have the prophetic powers, in other words, if I can really preach very well and speak the Word of God very well, and I can understand all the mysteries and knowledge, which is impossible to do, only God can do that. But even if I could do that, and if I have all the faith so as to remove mountains, if I... If I appear to everyone to have this kind of amazing relationship with God that I can do these strong and powerful things, but I have not love. I'm nothing. Nothing. You see what the Apostle is saying is that you're not effective. It stops with you. You can, you can be a great teacher. You can communicate the truth of Scripture very well. And I've known men like this. But in the back rooms of their heart, they're bitter. And they're angry. And they have lost their love. And you see what Paul says... If you don't love the people who you're giving the word to, it's ineffective. It's nothing. You can be really bright. I know some of you in here have all sorts of letters behind your name. If there's not love attached to God for those letters and how you will apply those letters... For the benefit of the people around you, it's ineffective. It means nothing. But on the other hand, if you see the knowledge that you have, if God has given you a measure of faith, if God has given you a gift to do something within His body, don't forget you're in His body. Oh, you may be at work, but you're still in his body. You may be overseas, but you're still in his body. That's the one thing about being a Christian we can never flee from. Don't you get it? No matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, no matter who we're hanging with, we're still and always will be part of the body. Therefore, every place we go, everything we do, no matter who we are with, must be motivated and intentionally loving. <clears throat> then, all that study that we have done, all that gifting that we have, will be magnified and most effective, and lives will be transformed. Not only is love the antidote to arrogance, but love is also the way to bring effectiveness to our gifts. And thirdly, this morning, love is the only value that any one of us really possesses. Love is the only value that any of us really possess. Back half of verse 3. If I give all that I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing.
This is a hard thing for us to get. But it's essential. It's critical in the sense of it's intrinsic to life. You can sacrifice all day long. But if that sacrifice is not coupled with an intentional love for those whom you're sacrificing for and the one that you're sacrificing for, it's valueless. Many of us are busy, 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 busy. Mostly trying to get our own agenda, 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 agenda done. Whether that's the agenda we have in the church, whether that's the agenda we have at work, or our agenda that we have in our house, or our agenda just to protect our own selves. We are scurrying people. We are a harried group. And we have forgotten in all of that busyness, in all of that sacrifice to love. I, I, um, I have a great concern for our culture. It's our calendars. Our calendars are driven by so many other activities other than the activities of progressing the body of Christ against the kingdom of darkness. Because frankly, we love other things of the world more than we love living in the reality that this is very temporary and we're heading towards eternity. And we have a mission. We have a mission from God. We have a mandate from Christ Himself to go into the world teaching and baptizing, proclamating the gospel. And producing believers. He didn't tell us to be the richest in the block. He didn't tell us to be the smartest in school. He didn't tell us to be the wisest theologian. He didn't tell us to change the world with the way that you speak. He told us to love one another. And by that, the world will know. You're mine. Oh, how we've bought into the world and the world's definitions of what success is. And how we're, we're now propagandizing our children to believe the same thing. Children, you must be the smartest in your class. You must compete on every level. You've got to speak eight languages and you've got to be the all-star soccer player and you better get a scholarship to Yale. And here are your four categories of career choices that you need to make. Here's why. Because I love you. <laughs> and I don't want to ever have to have you living in my house again. <laughs> And I know if you get a successful career somewhere, I won't have to worry about you. I won't have to feed you anymore. 
I won't, I won't have to think that somehow you're going to live a life of, of having to depend upon God. Oh, Lord forbid that you should live a life of faith. Maybe, Lord forbid, that you should ever be a missionary in Tibet. You're meant to be a doctor. Because doctors take care of their aging parents. I love you. Nothing wrong with your child being a doctor. Nothing wrong with your child being a CPA. Nothing wrong with your child being an all-American football player, soccer player. Nothing wrong with that at all. If that is what God, through His love for them, has led them to. And they understand that whatever they do with their life, it is a gift from God for them to advance His kingdom. That's what transforms the world. That's what you and I are called to do. You and I are called to intentionally love that way so the world will be transformed by the people and the power of God's people. You aren't meant to have your own life be necessarily comfortable. You and I are meant to go and transform the world with the love of Jesus Christ. And we are to be intentional about that. It is the imperative of our life. And if we do not know that, if we're not intentional about that, we will become arrogant and prideful and boastful. Look at us. Don't you wish you could be like us? Soon... Our gifts for one another will become very ineffective. We'll become so ingrown on ourselves that it really doesn't matter what we do anymore. And to the point where each one of us loses value to the other. And it won't be long after that before the congregation dies off. Maybe this is blunt. Maybe this is direct. But it is God's Word. It is the scariest thing in the world to know what God says and then rationalize it away. To not be convicted. To not have a sense of repentance. Why? We're going to talk about this over the next several weeks. That love is patient. What does that look like biblically? Love is kind. What does kindness look like biblically? We're going to look at all these elements of love and discuss them and, and teach about them further. I just want to say something in general. Here's why. Because God has loved you so patiently. And God has been so kind to you and I. And His, his kindness, is, it does what? It leads us to... It's not his anger, it's not his meanness, it's not his judgmentalism, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. He doesn't envy, he doesn't, he doesn't boast, he just loves us. My gosh, he's certainly not arrogant. Look how he humbled himself even to death on a cross, naked on a cross. He did deliver up his body, didn't he? And what made his, what made his sacrifice effective was it not his love for his father and his love for you and I? 
You see, that's how God does love you and I and gives us the power to love one another in the exact same way. But we must willfully decide to follow him and to say, yes, Jesus, I will pick up my cross. I will follow you with agape love. I want to read you a quote from uh, C.S. Lewis. Many of you have heard it before. He says this. He says, to love is to be vulnerable. Love anything with your heart and your heart will be wrung out and possibly even broken. You will want to make sure of keeping it intact. You must not give it to anyone, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or the coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, that safe, dark, motionless, airless place, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. You see, to love is to be vulnerable. It is the intentionality of every Christian to put the cheek out and make it vulnerable so that the world may know the love of Christ. Some of you may have forgotten what it means to love, what it means to be loved. Or maybe you want to just rededicate your life to loving. I'm going to ask Pastor Phil, if after the service, Phil, you'll just come up here. If anybody wants to pray and, and says, I want to, I'm convicted, I want to be more loving, I just ask you to come up and pray with Pastor Phil. He's ready. Or maybe you don't even know what it means to be loved by God. You don't know the gospel. You don't, you don't know that God really does love you this way. Phil will be right here to pray with you. Got a few minutes to do that? Awesome. Let's pray right now. Most gracious Christ, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the way that it touches our hearts. That it convicts us and moves us. Lord, the way that you have described love is a challenge. And it won't be able to be done in my flesh. But, O oh Holy Spirit, with your indwellment, with your companionship with me, with those in this room, we really can begin to walk the walk of love. We can bring it into our homes. We can see our spouses' lives change, our children's lives change, our friends, our constituencies, our our significant others, our co-workers, we can see transformation happen in a miraculous way in the lives of others if we will just love this way. So Holy Spirit, help us. Help us to repent from the hypocrisy of busyness, the hypocrisy of false religion, and let us love with a practical doctrine that is selfless. Bring value to who we are, O oh God, by your love for us. And Lord, help us to be effective. And God, keep us humble. Because we would not have you oppose our pride. We ask these things in the blessed name of Jesus. Amen. Years ago in the early church, as the elders come forward,
they would have what was called an agape feast, a love feast, where they would have and celebrate the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, after the service, and they would actually spend all day together. They would make a day of it, and they really would have fried chicken. The lentil cakes and matzo balls or something, I don't know. But they hang out, I hung out together because they loved one another. And they loved Him. And they couldn't stand being apart. You know, part of that comes from many of them knew on the way home they might be confronted by a Roman guard that might see them as kitty food. Or end up at the at point of a spear. And that, you know, that kind of persecution makes you love the ones who like you. Even if, even if you don't like them very much. You know, I think the days of persecution may come again. We might as well start now. Having agape feast today. And really committing our lives to loving one another. Because if we don't, then it's hypocrisy to say we love our Father. Let's pray. Gracious Christ, you have provided this meal for us and to us. We ask now, God, you would separate this bread from its common use, this fruit of the vine from its common use, that it would be real spiritual food for us, that we might ingest it and be strengthened by it, that our spirits would be made strong and have great and sturdy backbones to face the enemy's onslaught. Lord, that we would drink this cup knowing that it has made us pure and holy in your sight and quench the thirst that the dust of this earth has given us. We pray that now, Lord, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm going to give you some instructions. Um, is the balcony coming down first? Second? Okay. So these guys are going to come first this way. All right. So the two ends, the two very ends come up. Elders.